Hi there, and welcome to another edition of On Mike with Jordan Rich. Conversations with creative people, and today a look back at one of the most beloved comedies in TV history. We're talking about The Odd Couple, starring Jack Klugman and Tony Randall, which premiered 50 years ago this year. I'm a huge Odd Couple fan, so I've invited my good friend Bob Leszczak, the author of The Odd Couple on Stage and Screen, a history with cast and crew profiles and an episode guide. This is everything an Odd Couple fan needs and wants to have. A little background on Bob. He was a longtime on-air major market oldies radio personality with the radio name Bob O'Brien, and he's written several pop culture books about classic TV, and Bob was a frequent guest of mine on WBZ Late Nights with so many around the country really enjoying Bob's visits with me. He's currently working on a new book about the TV show Wings. So whether you're a neatnik or a slob, you're welcome to enjoy this podcast as we celebrate 50 years of the Odd Couple TV show, and we'll also talk about the play and the film and much, much more. So let's enjoy some TV memories and go on mic with Bob Leszczak. This was quite a labor of love. I wanted to trace the whole story of the Odd Couple, not just the TV series. So uh, we, we start actually at um, Come Blow Your Horn, which was one of Neil Simon's first plays, where Felix Unger is a character off camera. The and name. The, the name, name is spelled man. differently. Yeah. <laughs> U-N-G-A-R. And of course, I, I wanted to trace how The Odd Couple came to be from Broadway to the movies, finally to television and back again the many incarnations all the way to the present. Well, people who know the TV show, and that's so many of us listening, uh, may not recall who played Oscar and Felix respectively outside of the film. And it's an interesting mix of actors and even actors they were considering for the TV show. Go back a little ways and talk about who played the, the roles on stage originally. Well, of course, it was Walter Matthau and Art Carney. Walter Matthau, the Oscar. Art Carney from The Honeymooners was, was the Felix. And uh, it, it opened, of course, in 1965, March of 65, at the Plymouth Theater in New York, and uh, was a whopping success. Uh, actually, Neil Simon got to do The Odd Couple uh, when, when the play was already on Broadway. Uh, they, were, they were so, uh, actually, even before he had, going back, okay. <laughs> even before he had written one word of the play for Broadway, he had been so successful previously with Bear from the Park and Come Blow Your Horn that he already got the movie rights before even one word was written. So it was a, a sequence of the play, which was successful, and then the movie, which was successful, and, of course, the TV series. That says a lot about not only the era, but about Neil Simon and his amazing success and power at that time. There was one time, uh, I think in 67, where he had five successful plays on Broadway. <laughs> That might be a record. I don't think anybody can match that today. <laughs> Not nowadays, no. But but it's interesting. Uh, the movie is is so indelibly etched in my mind because I loved it, and and yet it's so different in a lot of ways than the TV show. And the TV show itself morphs from season one to season five. Let's examine the TV show because that's really the mainstay of the book. The uh, 50th anniversary, right? Absolutely. And and you've got two of I think America's great actors, both comedic actors, and in Jack Klugman's case, more serious actors. How did the casting for that come about? They weren't necessarily the original picks. No. Um, there were many different names bandied about. Everybody from Dean Martin, <laughs> Mickey Rooney, uh, Jack Carter. A lot of people auditioned. They kind of knew that Tony Randall was going to be the Felix. That was pretty much a given. Uh, but the, uh, the Oscar role uh, took a little doing. 
Tony Randall was rallying for Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney kind of had a reputation for being not easy to work with. So I think Gary Marshall kind of said, let's find somebody else. So, but even Tony Randall was still rallying for him. Wasn't uh, uh, Mickey Rooney also considered for All in the Family at one point, or am I? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, for one of the pilots, which, which didn't <laughs> come to be. That would be an odd Archie Bunker looking back. But <laughs> yes. let's talk about Klugman, because he's got an amazing career before The Odd Couple, in my opinion, as a dramatic actor in Twilight right. Zones and 12 Angry Men. and Four so Twilight many. Zones, right. And which means Serling must have really enjoyed working with him. He did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, it's interesting, back in 1955, without knowing what was going to happen in the future, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman were actually on a live TV show called Appointment with Adventure, a half hour, uh, one of those anthology shows that were so popular in the 1950s. And it was a one shot thing. They both admit it wasn't very good. Uh, And, you know, who knew what would happen 15 years later that they'd become superstars on The Odd Couple. So how did Jack get the role and what brought him to The Odd Couple? Well, he had played it on Broadway after... Um, Walter Matthau left, Klugman took the role. They had seen him, uh, the producers and and Gary Marshall, but were really considering other people. It was Penny Marshall who kind of said she had worked on a show in 1969 with Klugman called Then Came Bronson. They did one episode together. And she said, you know, he would be pretty good at that. And uh, Gary Marshall was impressed in another show watching Jack Klugman. It was a, I forget the name of the, the play, but it was with Ethel Merman on stage. Gypsy, was that it? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Gary Marshall had seen Jack Klugman really close up on stage to Ethel Merman for a long period of time, and she's yelling, and she's actually spitting <laughs> on him. And he said, if somebody can maintain a character like that, I want to use him in the future. So, so that was part of why he wanted to use... You, uh, you mentioned Penny. so impressed by the gypsy role. You mentioned Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall ends up being Myrna, of course, yes. uh, the beloved secretary for Oscar Madison. Well, Gary Marshall loved using family. Tony yeah. Marshall, his dad. Marjorie Marshall was in one of the episodes as a tap dancer. Uh, his sister, Ronnie Hallen, had some things uh, behind uh, the scenes and also in that one episode where they all come out uh, come into the um, Odd Couple apartment and they're three brothers and sisters. Oh, Gary yes. Marshall, Ronnie Hallen and Penny Marshall. Oh, wow. And uh, Ronnie is not even credited on that show, but that, that was that's the you, sister. He loved using family. Your book, which is called The Odd Couple on Stage and Screen, has every episode listed and all of all the guest stars. And I want to get into the guest stars in a minute, but I'm, I'm still thrilled to have you here to talk a little bit about the origin of the TV series. But let's talk about Gary Marshall and Jerry Belson, the two leading forces behind them, the creative forces, and they had great writers too. But these guys had it. They just had instincts, didn't they, that, that worked to get the right cast and to start moving it in the right direction? Well, Gary Marshall had also been writing for the Dick Van Dyke show. He wrote mm. for the Joey Bishop show. And he and Belson, they, their first time around in 1966, they had a sitcom called Hey Landlord, which starred Will Hutchins and Sandy Barron. And Michael Constantine was in it too. It only lasted one season, but it kind of showed that they, they could carry it off. And, uh, they teamed up again in 1970. Didn't get Neil Simon's blessing to do the Odd Couple TV series. It took a long time for Neil Simon to warm up to it. But uh, the early episodes actually said Neil Simon's 
the odd couple. Yeah, and didn't uh, didn't that really kickstart Gary Marshall's career though, in terms of producer extraordinaire, and and he then went on to produce so many other sitcoms. Oh yeah, he, he was happy on a roll days. With them. And... Even though the Odd Couple TV series was never a whopping success in the ratings, of course it led to happy days, and he loved using the same people too, like Al Molinero. Oh, you you yes. could see a lot of the same people. He, he was very loyal to uh, the people he liked. We're looking back at so many years ago, and yet it's so fresh. And you can see the the episodes currently on various streaming platforms, so it's really fun to go back. In fact, in, in looking through some of the early episodes, things change, and continuity on television today is much more <laughs> prescient because people have the Internet. But in those days, I mean, you had names of ex-wives changing. You had all kinds of things changing, including the way the show was shot. Do you want to explain that in terms of an audience or not? In the first season, this is also true of Happy Days. It was shot what's called single camera style without a studio audience. So it's actually shot like a movie. Mm. It doesn't even have to be shot in sequence. And uh, they add the laugh track later. So you don't really know what's funny. Now, for Klugman and Randall, they were stage performers. They needed the feedback. So what they were doing in that first season they weren't sure was funny until they actually got, you know, the, the, the episode aired and they would hear like the next day uh, and get reviews of the show. Uh, so, so they rallied both of them to have a live audience so they could feed off that. Right. And that happened finally. Uh, both of them were going on talk shows, late night talk shows, uh, urging people to write in to uh, have a live audience to for, for when the odd couple came back for a second season. And they got their wish. And in the second season, you can see it immediately with the uh, first episode of that second season called Natural Childbirth. Yeah. The whole show just comes to life. Yeah, it does on any of these programs. The laugh track is so tired on any <laughs> Phony, of them. yes. And, and if you go back to, I guess, the I Love Lucy show, there were there were live audiences then, weren't there? Yes, there were. And that made such Some a difference. Some of the shows from the 1950s would actually shoot the show and then bring in an audience and show it to them and record the laugh ah, track. Ah, Okay. Gotcha. Now, you said, Bob, that uh, it wasn't successful in the ratings as other shows at that time were. The reason for that was what? The way they scheduled it or promotion or what? The Odd Couple was usually on Friday nights, sometimes on Thursdays. Uh, It it was just, it's hard to explain uh, why it was not a whopping success, but it was an inexpensive show for ABC. The, The stars weren't making a whole lot of money. There wasn't a lot of production value. And that was one of the saving graces why it came back year after year. One of the other things is during the summer when they showed the reruns, people who had seen the other shows on television would gravitate to the odd couple and something they hadn't seen. And every summer the ratings would go up and would save the show every year. Technically the odd couple was going to be canceled. It was on the chopping block and the summer ratings would save it. So they were living on the edge, literally. They were living on the edge. (laughs) And and, uh, they would also, during the summer, while those reruns were were running, they would do the show on stage. They they would actually do the play on stage just to keep fresh. And and, uh, they would also tour a lot 
just to keep mm. people interested in the show. Which is such and, an old showbiz, almost vaudevillian axiom to get out there and work the material. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and make money in the off-season. And make money in the off-season, yeah. <laughs> um, there's so much they here. They weren't making friends money. They weren't making <laughs> everybody Raymond type money. Exactly. We're, th- we're talking, what, uh, five grand an episode, if that, in some cases, right? Yes, who got, who I, got I think more? Tony was making seven and Jack was making 5000 Was that ever an issue between the stars, between the two co-stars, the, the, who was I making more so. money? No, they, uh, they wanted to work. Jack knew that Tony was, you know, a little more famous than he was at that time. It didn't stay that way, but uh, I think they, they both emerged equally uh, during that show as, as the stars and, and famous stars. I, I had the great honor of interviewing Tony Randall back in, I would wow. say, 83 or 84, so it's 10 or 12 years after. What's remarkable, uh, and I remember it, it, it's a picture that I have, he's dressed just like he would have been as Felix, and I asked him the question about, he, he's always impeccably dressed, and I said, Mr. Randall, you look great. You always look so well put together. He said, I have to admit, I have a color blindness, and because I have color blindness, I only wear blue blazers and gray slacks. I've got 30 blue blazers and 40 grace. I thought that was hysterical. But let's talk a little bit about each individual. And we all, well, I shouldn't say we all, 99% of the people listening to this podcast know a lot about this subject. We all know Oscar's a slob, Felix is the neatnik. But how much in, in real life were these actors like their characters in that respect? Quite a bit. Uh, Tony <laughs> Randall, uh, like you said, was always impeccably dressed. Um, he was fastidious. He did love opera. Although uh, it, it was admitted that he, he did like sports, that's never reflected in The Odd Couple, and he liked beer. <laughs> he did? Wow, I would have yes. had him as an aperitif only man. but uh. Right, right. And for Jack Klugman, th- there was a, a lot of Klugman in his role. Uh, in fact, to make him look sloppy on the show, and also for, for the budget, to, to keep the, the budget down on The Odd Couple, uh, he used a lot of his own clothing. <laughs> that's hysterical that's, that was actually his clothing he, he loved to gamble uh, he yes. wasn't as much a gambler as Walter Matthau but, but he was a gambler and uh, he did not uh, eat well as, as you see right, in the show right, he loved right. cigars in fact that was uh, initially a, a very early problem in the get together uh, when they were being uh, escorted by limo Jack Klugman lit up in the limo, and Tony Randall hated smoking notoriously, mm. and uh, that almost ended it before it began. But <laughs> Gary Marshall said, "All right, all right, <laughs> I want to keep both of you. From now on, you each get your own limo." And <laughs> so, from then on, it was smooth sailing, pretty much. There's so much written about their post Odd Couple career together and how the friendship evolved, and you write a bit about this. Not only did the friendship evolve, but when Jack was sick with throat cancer. Mm-hmm. Tony did some amazing things. Uh, the, talk a little bit about the post issues, and then we'll get back to the show itself, because it really is a, a love story in a sense. Oh, yeah, a, a great bromance. Um, yeah. Even more so after the, sh- the show was canceled. Uh, they, they both supported each other, of course, during the series, but I don't think they were as close as they were afterwards. Uh, yes, when uh, Jack Klugman got the throat cancer, um, Tony, Tony was there for him, supporting him and wanting him to get back to work. And actually, there's a, a, a reunion TV special that was called Together Again, The Odd Couple Together Again. And uh, that is addressed in that episode. I think it only ran once. 
Back yeah, ninety three. Yeah, I think you're right, right. and and it uh, it's very touching because it's real. I mean, you realize he really yes, did have, yes. it. and the fact that Klugman fought back and got to do what he did with barely a voice is pretty remarkable. And they would still work on stage together yeah. uh, with microphone, with headsets, with microphones, so mm-hmm. that Jack could be heard because mm-hmm. his voice did get better over time, but it was still like a hoarse whisper. So the, the microphones helped and. Uh, they would actually do the play, The Odd Couple, on stage a lot. Plus, they, they also did um, yeah. The Sunshine Boys together a lot. Right. Another Neil Simon classic, no yes. question. Do want to talk a little bit about uh, Klugman's career, because unlike Felix, unlike Felix, unlike Tony, who had a couple of series that didn't really pan out, he killed it in Quincy. I mean, he oh, yeah. was was a star all over again in a dramatic crime show for years. So uh, he proved a lot of people wrong when he when I guess he did that. And it's interesting because he really didn't want to do the odd couple initially because he had had such a bad experience in 1964 with a sitcom called Harris Against the World, a universal show. It was part of a, a three show arc on Monday nights, three sitcoms back to back called 90 Bristol Court. Mm-hmm. It was uh, three people, three different shows all set in the, the the same apartment complex and it lasted 13 weeks he never got fully paid for it and uh, there's a lot of bitterness with television so besides doing television specials and uh, episodic tv like then came bronson and the twilight zone he wasn't all that keen on it but <laughs> luckily uh he changed his mind did the odd couple and, and right into quincy bob leszczak who's mr tv and mr entertainment <laughs> the apartment the set, the changes in the set. Now, I thought about this before reading the book, and I really, it always bugged me that you'd have, and it wasn't just The Odd Couple, you'd have other shows where uh, all of a sudden, one season later, everything's changed, same address, everything's changed. Because <laughs> what they try to do, they try to match the movie idea for that long hallway in, yes, the, yeah. in the first and season. And the gates that uh, separate the bedrooms. Well, mm. that was the first season. They, yeah, and they, right. They, they set it up to, to look like the movie. They had to change things when it went to the live audience. They had to open it up more. So everything moved. The, the entire apartment, the, the kitchen was on the other side. Oscar's bedroom looked totally different. Um, the living room was, and the, the door, everything had changed just to accommodate the audience. I love it. As a voiceover artist myself, I am one of those who in, is in awe of the opening VO by William <laughs> Woodson. And it's so great. On November 13th, Felix Unger was asked to leave his... I mean, I, I memorized it when I was a kid. Tell me a little bit more about that, because it's it's kind of interesting what happened in that case. Well, the stars of the show were not all that keen on it. It was put there because there, there were two changes uh, in, in 1970 when the show came, when it became a, a TV series. They wanted to establish, just because it was 1970, 50 years ago, that this was not a gay couple living together. Right, right. So uh, Felix's ex-wife was no longer named Frances because that <laughs> could be a man's name. Of Frances course. Albert Sinatra, right? Right, right. So she became Gloria. That was unique to the TV series. Mm-hmm. The reason for the opening that you were just talking about from the wonderful William Woodson, who is uh, quoted in my book, it was a wonderful interview. Uh, that was also to establish what's going on here. These men had been married and they're only living together because they're alone and uh, until they work things out and they find their next 
mate or whatever. Right. That's what that was all about. That's and so, it lasted until season four. That's so interesting because uh, it it's the exposition that it paints. It tells the story. It sets it up. And uh, as you point out, there were so many different variations on how they met and when they knew each other. Were they boyhood yes. friends? There's one episode where they flash back to young Oscar, and, and it's hysterical. I believe that was his son who played young yes, Oscar. Yes, Adam Klugman. Two different episodes. Yeah, and, and uh, again, it didn't matter back then. Nobody cared about continuity. Nobody was had the internet to look well, things Well, nobody up. was going to binge. There, there, there right. was no binging. There were, were no DVD sets. You saw it once a week, and you forgot, you know, if, if they weren't uh, sticklers on continuity, the, the following, yeah. you, you would have forgotten little things. So nowadays, these things really stick out. But it's so funny. I would mimic that announcer when I was just a kid, you know. <laughs> Drive it will the two men drive each other crazy? I mean, I, I just love the tone. And Woodson got a lot of work, you say, after he got that because of his... Yes, uh, he was so thankful for that work. He had been a Shakespearean actor, but that really set him up. He would actually get people calling him saying, we've been looking for somebody who sounds like that odd couple <laughs> opening. And he said he called it a world beater. It was it was it, it just opened up his career and he, he worked from then on. I talked to him maybe a decade ago for the book, yeah. and he was in his 90s. He's since passed, but he, he was still sharp as attack and just had amazing stories about it. He actually uh, got the job while he was in Europe, and he had to fly back to record it. Just wonderful. <laughs> just wonderful. There's so much that this book will, will entertain you with. And one of the key things beyond the episode guides, Bob, of course, is the guest star list. Oh, and my it's goodness, yes. unbelievably impressive to think back then from Howard Cosell, of course, to famous opera stars, to athletes galore, uh, playing themselves real people. Talk a little bit about the variety of guests and perhaps why they were able to bring so many people on board. Did, did they want to do it? Is that it? Yes, but Jack and uh, Tony had a lot of input. They, they, they got to sit in in the writer's room. They forced their way in. Yeah. <laughs> so they also got to, to select some of the guest stars. Of course, uh, Jack Klugman uh, gravitated more to the sports figures, Howard Cosell, uh, Deacon Jones, Bubba Smith, Rune Arledge. Those were the people he selected. Tony, of course, more artsy people like Richard Fredericks and Marilyn Horn, Martina Arroyo. In fact, there's a funny story about the one episode where Howard Cosell is an opera fan. Yeah, was he? He's infatuated (laughs) with Martina Arroyo. No. No. (laughs) He was not an opera fan. Uh, It was originally written for just Howard Cosell, but Tony Randall kept uh, chirping that he wanted Martina Arroyo. She was available. He wanted to use her. So the writers had to scramble and make it make sense for the both of them to guest star on the same episode. So they created this, uh, under the guise of, of Howard Cosell loving opera, they brought the two together. And it worked. But <laughs> it couldn't have been easy in the writer's room. Just wonderful. Just wonderful. They had some regulars. Uh, you mentioned Al Malinaro, who played Murray the Cop. I think it was Herb Edelman who played him in the film version, if I'm not mistaken. Right, correct. Yeah. yeah, but his Murray the Cop and the whole poker parade and, and uh, Felix's wife, Gloria, right? She was played by the same actress, I believe. Yes, yes. Much of the run. What about Madison's ex-wife, who was actually <laughs> Jack Klugman's real wife. real wife at the time, I believe? Brett Summers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, actually, they, they never officially divorced. They separated. Ah. Uh, yeah, Brett Summers was his wife, and there was already some... Tension. Uh, I had interviewed Joan Van Ark for the book, 
there's there's a an episode with a lot of Rashomon uh, where three different perspectives of the, the the same scene, the same event, and it's it's the New Year's Eve uh, episode early on in the TV's run, and, and she admitted to me that they're they're both in the episode, Brett and Jack, and she said she could see there was tension behind mm. the scenes that she wasn't surprised when they did separate because it was not going well. Well, the, <laughs> their acting then was, was, was based on reality because it, they were terrific so. together. Even their sons admit that their relationship was always fiery. It was, it was always interesting. Indeed. Um, <laughs> they, they loved each other and yet it, they were their own odd couple. Before I get to one of my favorite memories of the odd couple, which actually extends over many episodes, and I'll get to that in a second. They did that one promo, it might have been season two or three, that has stuck with me forever. They took a clip from one episode, and I know you know all about this, where Felix talking about the meatloaf or something and is dusting on the table, and Felix covers up the dish so that Oscar can't spray his food with end dust or whatever. And then, of course, we all know what happens. Uh, Felix takes his hands away, Oscar sprays the food. That has stuck with me for 50 years. Unbelievable. Well, it's part of the opening credits in one of the seasons, too. Oh, so. oh it is? Okay. I yes. Didn't... Yes, they do show that. Oh, my God. It's, it's much later on. It's, it's part of the, the but that, little clips. that bit of business was just so beautifully Brilliant. done. On... The timing. Oh. These, these guys just, the chemistry, they got so lucky bringing these two guys together. Absolutely. So let's talk about something that uh, is often not the case with sitcoms, although it can be, and sometimes it's overdone, and that's the soft and sentimental moments, because there are many. I heard you on the wonderful Gilbert Gottfried's podcast recently. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. And Gilbert, of all people, is talking about all the sentimental moments. All the sentimental moments. And and I, I would agree with Gilbert Gottfried. There were many times when that warmth and that love, even after a crazy episode, would come out. And uh, I think that's what makes it special for a lot of people. It, it's more than just the laughs. Right. It shows that they, they weren't mortal enemies. Uh, they didn't get along. They were totally different people. And yet uh, they needed each other and they, they did. There was a, a love there. Do you have any examples that you can point to? I mean, you you know the series Inside Out. Uh, I, I love the episode called The Odd Candidate where uh, Felix thrusts Oscar into running for councilman, uh, and he almost wins. And at first, uh, Oscar, he, he never gave his approval for this. He's very reluctant, but, but he gets to like the idea. And at the end, there's a nice moment where he actually thanks Felix for, for going through all this trouble. And, uh, you're, you know, they, they call each other buddy or, or something like that. And it really shows that. There's another one very early in the run called... Uh, about the bird, the parrot that dies, and uh, just uh, that uh, Oscar is so concerned about Felix being so distraught over his dead bird, his dead parrot, Albert, uh, oh, that yeah. he actually puts up, fronts up the money for for a pet uh, cemetery and, and funeral. Yeah, there there are many of those little moments. <laughs> yes, yeah. And by the way, I should mention, I can't believe I haven't mentioned it yet, that as we speak, we're looking at each other. He's in his beautiful uh, album-lined room because Bob's a music <laughs> nut wearing a shirt that says Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. And it ain't Sesame Street, folks. We're talking no. about the real thing. I just have a couple more things. Number one, they've tried uh, follow-up shows with other casts, the new odd couple and so forth. 
none of them really clicked or took uh, took on any heat. And I think the reason really is, like you said, chemistry. I mean, you can't replicate magic in a bottle like the two of them had, or quite frankly, like Mathau and Lemon had on screen. Right. They worked well together, too. They, they loved working together, as did Clubman mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and Randall. Uh, when they did the new version in 18, uh, 1982, uh, the new Odd Couple with the black cast, uh, DeMond Wilson was actually a very decent Oscar. But uh, Ron Glass would not buy into the Felix character. In fact, he yeah. would ask the writers, don't make me look stupid, which is something that Randall and Klugman uh, was totally opposite. They would actually tell the writers, go ahead, make us look like buffoons. It's funny. Sherman Hemsley would have been my choice for Felix. Honest to God. Yeah, maybe. Somebody yeah. of that type yeah. who, who was... In uh, hindsight, but he was busy with another show. He was a little busy <laughs> moving on up to the west, the east side or whatever. And it's been tried with, with the female cast and others. But it's still a play that shows up every once in a while and actors do oh, yeah. take the roles. Really interesting to, to wonder if actors anywhere are thinking about Randall and Klugman when they take the those roles, how can you not? Well, the, the play is so funny. It really doesn't matter on stage who's playing them. Mm-hmm. It's still the, 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 the words right, are the, funny. The of course, if the actors, if there's chemistry, it works even better. But just the play itself is so funny. Um, when, when they did the more recent version on, on CBS with Matthew Perry and, and uh, Thomas Lennon, uh, again, it was the, the Felix character was good, the Thomas Lennon. I never really bought into Matthew Perry as Oscar. I, I didn't buy. I would have pictured him much more of a Felix because on Friends he was such a finicky, quirky character. I, I think he was yeah. miscast. I think with Mathau and Klugman, though, you could see and sense that these were real people in real life. They were a lot like these guys. Although I heard oh, that yes. Mathau was was actually more neat and fastidious than than some <laughs> suggested. But he would, he, he would always wipe off a phone before using it. <laughs> Alcohol, a phone before using it, but he did like to gamble. As was the case with both of them, that's true. Um, it, it's just a remarkable television event uh, to know that 50 years ago we had five seasons of two brilliant actors and then the writers. And you interviewed just about everybody involved with the show who you could get, I take it. Oh, yeah, all the, the, the writers, the, the living cast, Eleanor Donahue, who was in like 17 episodes, as upstairs Miriam, Miriam Welby. And it's interesting that she got her name Welby. That was that was Tony Randall's input. And if you think about it, that relates to her having been the daughter on Father Knows Best. And he, of course, time on ABC, (laughs) Robert Young, who was the star of Father Knows Best was playing Marcus Welby. There's so many inside baseball things, it names yes. of producers' sons. I think that's cool. I think that's lovely. I really well, do. Even the name Murray Greshler. Uh, Greshler was the last name of the agent for both Tony and Jack, <laughs> Abby Greshler. In fact, Abby Greshler is the guy who wrote that opening monologue on November 13th. Felix Unger was asked to remove himself. Oh, Wow. And November 13th, for those who don't know, is Gary Marshall's birthday. Well, now it all makes sense. It's like uh, it's like you're better than Dan Brown with mystery. You're, you're uncoding everything <laughs> that I've always wondered about. And I, I'm still going going through the book. I should tell people the book is available, obviously, at Amazon and anywhere you get good books. The Odd Couple on stage and screen. Bob Lezczak is L-E-S-Z-C-Z. 
A-K. I you, need to buy a vowel. You need to buy a vowel. But what I will say is, unlike a lot of things today that are kind of sparse, I, the detail is amazing. It, it, it's small print. You really have to pay attention. There's <laughs> so much. Need my glasses. But you have done a, a great job and a tribute to these to these actors and writers and producers and, and the concept. What, so you're working Thank on you. the Wings book. Yes, Actually, it's it's just been submitted to the publisher. That was that was a, a labor of love too. Um, and there was a lot of downtime with uh, the whole COVID thing. I've I've actually had time to, to you know kind of sit in my cave here, my man cave, and and put it all together. And in your man cave, I alluded to this. You're surrounded by albums, <laughs> uh, not photo albums. albums for, but there's forty fives on the other side. And, and uh, tell everybody just briefly about your connection to music and some of the books that you've written in that regard. Oh, okay. Um, some of the other books are called Who Did It First? It's a three-volume set of those. It's about uh, who did famous songs before they were famous. There's usually somebody who, who tried it, and maybe sometimes it was the writer. Uh, maybe it took like two or three artists to finally put the song over, but uh, it's, it's a nice backstory on all of that. Uh, there's several other TV books, single-season sitcoms. There are three volumes of that uh, about all the sitcoms from uh, 1948 to 2000 that only lasted one season. Wow. And there are many. There's three books for it. We, we have to have you back to talk about some of that because uh, television is one of my favorite things. And I uh, would love to. Uh, Always I, a pleasure. I am thrilled that we're able to reconnect on a new platform and have yes. fun. And, Bob, I wish you the very best. Do you have any uh, web addresses you'd like to give out before we let you go here? I'm on Facebook as Bob O'Brien which is my radio name. It's just so much easier than the name you just tried to spell. (laughs) All right, Facebook is Bob O'Brien. With an E. And uh, you can also check me out at bobobrien.tv, which is a website which hasn't been updated lately, but I I need to jump on that. All right, well, you get thousands of hits when people hear this, so you'll be able to update (laughs) it. Thank you. Bob, great to see you. Uh, Continued success. Long live the odd couple. Thank you. Yes, yes. I'm happy and peppy and bursting with love. Oh, that was so much fun for me, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. I've got great plans for the upcoming year with so many guests lined up and some great topics. And I want to thank you for subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing the podcast and sharing it with your friends. Also, thanks to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media and Ken Carberry of Chart Productions. Hey, this is Jordan, as always, saying be well so you can do good. We'll talk soon. Take care.